Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. You know, when we were worshiping, I had this picture in my mind. And it was a picture of each of you. And it was that you each had this pot of gold in you. And I just felt this compulsion from the Lord to just pour out the gold that's already in you. And as we were continuing to worship, I thought, you know, so many times we have things in our lives that we bring to the Lord and and maybe weights that we carry with us. And God cares so much about us and he takes care of those things and those things are meaningful to him. But don't let anything stand between you and pouring out what he's already put in you. You know, the beautiful thing about pouring out what God has put in you is that he replenishes, right? Like when we pour out, we don't wonder, oh no, I have nothing. We go back to the source where we received all these treasures and he pours back into us. And there's something about that pouring out and receiving back in that's just a really beautiful thing. And I love that verse. It says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And so I just want to encourage you. You know, after the last uh, couple weeks spending time in Egypt, uh, one of the things that is just so apparent to me is how rich we are in the spirit realm, that we have such wonderful treasures and teaching and blessing and things like that. And I'm so thankful. I want to open up this morning in John chapter 14, and then I'm going to pray. And I'm going to share with you both a word as well as a report of our time in Egypt. Um, I want to um, just just be able to share with you what we experience and let you be encouraged um, by how the Lord encouraged us. Does that sound like a great plan this morning? All right, the, today's message is called, Give Me Jesus. I got to tell you, the worship today, the songs that we were singing were exactly in tune with exact, the message for this morning, and that's always so encouraging. It's like we're listening to the same boss. It's like... It's like when you're tuning in, it's like it's the same one. So good. John 14 verses 4 through 6 is this. Um, You know the way to the place where I'm going. This is Jesus speaking. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the simplicity and the elegance of your gospel. We thank you for the clarity with which you come to us and you reveal yourself to us. We are in honor, Lord, of who you are, and we're thankful for the riches that you have deposited in us. May we pour them out faithfully, and we thank you that you're a God who refreshes and replenishes, and that you care about things that are going on in our lives. Lord, I pray, let all of our ears be open, our hearts be open to hear your word, the word of the Lord today. Lord, I ask for the empowerment, the leading of your spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In a few minutes, I'm going to share pictures with you um, as well about from the trip. I'm really excited to share about this trip to Egypt. We have never, as a church family, sent a team to Egypt before. Uh, As a matter of fact, I turned this trip down uh, for many years, and even this year. But then the Holy Spirit was kind of like knocking on the door, and Elizabeth and I were praying and re-praying, if you will, and it really felt like we were supposed to go 
on this trip. And uh, Rebecca Wachter and Maisie Codrington uh, went from victory, and uh, it was so good to go as a team together. Um, and I, I do want to first just thank everyone who prayed. We had probably more people praying over this trip than we've had in any other trip. And I want to say thank you because we needed more prayer for this trip than probably other trips that we've had in the past. I think the second meeting, there was a, like a demon cast out of a young lady, and it was just like a very intense environment most of the time. Um, we were invited by a local Egyptian pastor uh, here in Richmond, who I've been friends with for many years, met him at Bethlehem Walk. Uh, we just had a, a great friendship. Um, he and his wife and one of his leaders went, and then Pastor Sherry Moore of MAPS um, in Richmond and a lady connected there named Mary went with us as well. So we had, if you will, five of us uh, uh, kind of regular uh, Americans going, and then we had three Egyptians who are now naturalized citizens of the U.S. who uh, led the way, um, which was obviously very helpful. We wouldn't do it any other way because you need people who know, um, know what they're doing. To say that the, the trip itself was intense would, be, would put it uh, mildly. We were in three cities, um, and in nine days, we met with 13 different groups of people. And it was just, and that no one group was the same as the group before. We prayed and prophesied over hundreds of people, just hundreds. Um, I spoke 10 times. Uh, Rebecca had the uh, opportunity to um, do some kidsmen at one of the last uh, meetings with 100 pastors and their wives and their children. And uh, it was one of those great communication things where she thought she was going to go in and do a little lesson, a little thing. And they were like, no, no, keep going. You have the entire meeting. And she's like, I was going to go back. And she just kind of kept making stuff up for the next hour and a half. And um, it was a real blessing to her. She really enjoyed, enjoyed that. And that's just the mission field. Um, group by group, uh, a little bit about the groups that we met with. We met with three different groups of pastors in three different cities, uh, Cairo, uh, and then south of there, and, and south of there. Um, and as you go south of Cairo, the oppression that they experience from the predominant religion of the land gets heavier and heavier on the Christians, because Christians are by far a minority, but a legal minority, if you will. Some countries, it's not legal. Here, it's legal, um, but there's oppression, and that oppression can manifest physically and things like that. We were in five different churches. Um, we ministered to wives whose husbands are in jail, um, that's a, a really tough group. If you can think back to Bible times when a woman did not have her husband and trying to provide for herself, it was, it's very similar in that culture. And so um, their, their challenges are very real. We had a large group of at-risk girls. When we say at-risk, they're trying to be poached um, by the religious majority there into a different religion and trying to be um, influenced. Um, and some of the ways are just despicable and I won't share with you um, because... We are in mixed crowd, and it's Sunday morning, and we'll, we'll share that for other times of sharing. We also had a group of at-risk boys where they might have been born into Christianity but not have a living faith of their own. Um, and it might not be real because it's a culture where what you are born is who you are kind of thing. And um, we had a group of, of 70 young men, and uh, when it was time to receive Christ, um, 60 of the young men stood up. It was like, whoa, whoa. I mean, it was just so, 
so overwhelming. And we ministered um, to pastors' children. There was one meeting that was just full of pastors' children, and um, that was a really precious time. Now, let me, let me spend some time showing you a few pictures. First, this, is, this first picture is the team, me and Maisie and Rebecca. This is like day two, so we're all just looking, smiling, and I'm just so glad to be here. I don't know if any of us were sick yet. Most of the team got sick, and most of us were sick most of the time. Um, and so thank you for your prayers. I got stories, but again, it's Sunday morning. Um, but they were real champs. One of the things that we stress on our teams is being able to roll with the punches, be flexible, and, and these two just got an A-plus in both, both realms. Uh, just such flexibility and just letting God be God. The next uh, picture is a group of, of at-risk girls. Um, I tell you what, that was uh, the first morning after the day we got there. And um, it was just such a powerful time uh, watching Pastor Sherry uh, share the word of the Lord. They came to me and said, the evangelist we asked to be here to preach, uh, we gave them the wrong date, so you have 15 minutes and you're preaching. I said, hallelujah. And um, praise the Lord, I'd been thinking about something for a couple of days, so he had, he had been preparing my heart, um, and I'm thankful for that. But watching these young women uh, just receive from the Lord in a safe environment was really compelling. The next uh, picture is a picture of the, the boys that we were ministering to. Like I, I mentioned, about 60 of those young men stood up for Christ, and I believe a lot of those were very sincere salvations. And then we just go and we just begin to pray over them and pray over them and one by one. And sometimes we'd have translators, and other times we wouldn't have translators. And there's just the testimonies of what God was doing and speaking to them, and they would come back and to their pastors or to leaders and just say, here's what God did, and you know whether it was setting me free or confirming something that God was doing in my life. The next picture is uh, that picture of the, the ladies that I mentioned whose husbands are in jail. Um, some of them, uh, those men, are a lot of them are life sentences. And um, I met one family uh, that I'll, I'll show you a picture later. The husband um, is supposed to be executed soon. And, you know, so the family is there just in limbo waiting. And these ladies are really kind of in a, a, a place of they're held hostage in life. Uh, and so we want to give them a word of life that, hey, God is real and God can provide for you now. All of your circumstances are wrong, but there's provision that God has for you. And uh, let's connect you with him, with the source. Um, next picture is a picture of uh, Maisie praying over folks. Uh, and you can multiply that picture, like I said, hundreds of times uh, with Maisie and Rebecca just praying for folks. And Maisie and Rebecca had to work without translators. There were very few translators. I had a translator about half the time when I was praying for people. The other half the time I just went for. It's kind of fun, though, because I don't normally pray over people in tongues just because I don't want to confuse them and that kind of thing, make them thinking I'm trying to communicate with them. But in this circumstance, I could pray in English, I could pray in tongues, it really didn't matter. They didn't know. And so I just felt very free. It was really great. I prophesy the word of the Lord over them in English, and they, you know, just the Holy Spirit's touching them. I'm like, I know you have no idea what I'm saying. May the Lord reveal it to you. Other times we had um, translators. A lot of times there were time crunches. So there was, I remember there was this one meeting where I knew I only had a little bit of time and so I was like, okay, Lord, we're going to rapid fire prophesy. I think it was with the boys. 
I said, I'm just going to believe you to give me a word, and I'm going to deliver each word in about 30 seconds, and I'm just going to keep on going. We're going to see how many we can do. And, and, uh, and the Lord met me, and it was just like one after another, and the translator's there, and just like every word was very different than the other word, and I was just like, all right, Lord, we're, uh, we're going for it. Um, the next picture is one of the five different churches that we were in. I'm, I'm going to talk about the churches a little bit more in the message portion this morning. Um, these churches were packed for the most part. There'd be hundreds in each one. Um, we required everyone who was going on this trip to be vaccinated because the situation there in, in Egypt, it's kind of the Wild West uh, as far as that kind of stuff goes. And so we wanted each person to have that kind of protection. We, we did know that everyone who was there, uh, we would be in the face and praying with people and that kind of thing. And so um, we had tests going in and tests going out. We're very thankful that the Lord took very good care of us and we were able to interact with so many people. But so many different churches and again, I'm going to come back to that because there's, I really feel like the message portion has to do with where, what we observed and what we learned in the realm of churches. Next picture is the, one of the pastor's groups. We had a pastor's group of about 60 and their wives, about 75 and their wives. And the last one was about 100 and their wives. And it was so, um, so, so humbling to minister to them. What's fascinating to me was I, the Lord gave me a word that I had preached to American pastors time and time and time again. It's just like this thing that God has given me. And uh, the simple, the simple um, one line of it is, is that God has called us as ministers to serve his people. He has not called us to carry his people. That God is the one who carries them and that we serve them. And it, it has everything to do with how you carry the weight of ministry. And um, <laughs> I would say it was like I was speaking a foreign language, but I was speaking a foreign language. Um, the, the pastor, the Egyptian pastor from here got so many questions about, tell us what that means. Like that frame of reference was just so foreign to them. And, but the weight that they were all carrying was so heavy. And they were just asking and desiring more. In the last meeting of the group of about 100 pastors, I felt like a pitcher that was half poured out. And it was like, just there was, more, there was a lot more that needed to be poured out. Um, one of the cool things that happened with this trip was that, um, just hold on a minute, uh, Phoebe, before you go to this next picture, is there was an opportunity to help people with starting or facilitating micro-businesses. And in a place where there's poverty, in a, in a place where Christianity is a real minority, um, even just getting a job, if it is available, is harder when you're the, the minority religion. And so uh, there's just a lot of poverty and a lot of struggling. And so things like micro-businesses are huge. And so I knew that we were going to be raising money last week and this week for our missionary family in Central Asia. And I thought, I don't really want to like double up and layer up and bring confusion. So I sent out an email just to a handful of, of, um, of folks and just said, hey, we have this kind of side thing that we can do to help with micro-businesses. And um, as a church family, we gave thousands 
to that project. Meanwhile, you know, we're being so generous as a family, raising money uh, for this, uh, this missionary family. It was really overwhelming. It was so overwhelming that more money came in, and we actually were able to designate that specifically for um, some pastors. Most of it went to underground pastors with un- unsanctioned uh, works and things like that. And almost all of the, well, all of those women that we met with, they were women who were leading these efforts in very difficult places, and we were blessing them. And so I, I, I don't want, um, it was so generous and such a blessing. And I got to meet, because of that generosity, I got to meet a few of the ones that we helped get started um, face-to-face. Um, and so I'm going to show you a few of those pictures. This first picture is, is this beautiful mom and daughter who had this little shop. And um, they took some of the money that we gave and bought all of the inventory for their little shop that's in their house. And there's like a little window there. They open up the window and they just operate right there in their village. What was really impressive about this, this mom and his daughter is that they had saved money and bought a deep freezer that was $300. And when we went in there and were taking pictures, they were just coming to us and like giving us, wanting to be generous and give us stuff. And I thought, man, that kind of attitude and that kind of spirit, they're just going to be so blessed. And I got to pray over several of these businesses and these folks um, before we left. And, you know, it, it just was so compelling because you're giving someone something that they can prosper and they can be a blessing one uh, to. And uh, that, that was just extra. Like, that wasn't the point of the trip. And, but, you know, God has just got a way of, well, let's just kind of bolt some extra things on here and make some things happen. The next picture, uh, near and dear to my heart, is uh, this lady's raising chickens. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I feel like the Lord can get into that. He loves flocks. Um, and, uh, man, I thought that was funny. I, I, I told a joke, and I know better. I know better than to tell a joke when there's translation. And it did not go over at all. And it was with the young men. But a bunch of them stood up to receive Jesus. So God can work um, regardless. Anyhow, this lady, the, the cage, um, we were able to use money that uh, Victory gave to uh, buy this cage. She actually keeps the chickens in her home. Her her, um, her dad is blind, her mom is very frail, and her husband has left her and she has a child. And it just, you're in that home and you're just like, praise God, you know, what's, what's happening right there. The next picture um, is a young man who, um, the, that, that chair right there is brand new. We were able to help fund buying a chair for his barber shop. And um, he's the one who his father has a death sentence right now. Got to meet his mom. His sister um, is raising two children. Her husband's not, not in the picture. And uh, this young man is saddled with just trying to provide for this family. And when I prayed for him, uh, the word of the Lord came that he needed to, to train others on how to do this and raise up others to have their, their little business. It was really neat how you just pray and the word of the Lord would come even for, you know, for these business leaders and what God wanted to do was, um, was really inspiring. And like I mentioned, we also had uh, these church planters that we were able to give um, some finances and things like that. One of the things that broke our hearts is that, you know, sometimes your cultural standards um, can war against the natural systems that God has set up to bless you. And what I mean by that is in Egypt, um, 
If you are a pastor, you are not allowed to work. As a matter of fact, if you apply to a job and they find out you're a pastor, they won't even consider hiring you. You cannot work. You have to be supported just by your church, um, which is fine when it works, but when it doesn't work, the pastor is in poverty, and it's like a dishonor thing. Like, they cannot work. And so you have these pastors who are in poverty, who feel called, and yet they cannot support themselves. And so trying to get through that and and figure out ways that we can be a blessing to them. And frankly, you know, they need like what Paul had. Paul, he was a tent maker, right? If the apostle Paul can be a tent maker, then we need our culture to adjust to what is biblical, right? Uh, But those things are not easily overcome. And um, and it's... it's a barrier, but God is, is greater, and God is able. Um, now, before I show you this next picture, I have to tell you, I had one mandate before I went to Egypt. One mandate. And that was from Elizabeth. She said, you will ride a camel at the pyramids. <laughs> and I want a picture of you riding a camel at the pyramids. So I just want you to know, it's not necessarily in my nature to show you this picture. However, I know that you're going to delight in it. So if you would like to thank someone, don't thank me. Thank her. Go ahead, Phoebe. I do have to say, riding a camel in Egypt was pretty amazing. That was pretty cool. Okay. Um, Thank you. You can take that down. Um, Now, if you want to give anyone a hard time, give Rebecca a hard time. We were able to do a little sightseeing at the very end of the trip, and uh, we we saw the pyramids, which was just fascinating. You could go in the pyramid, and uh, I have Rebecca to thank for us going into the pyramid because it's like this uphill journey, hunched over and crazy. It was uh, we were so depleted afterwards. I'm still a little mad at her um, for it, but you know, Rebecca. You could tell she really wanted to go. And if Rebecca is articulating she wants to go, we need to make it happen kind of thing. And so it was fun, even though depleting. You know, one of the things I did at the very end of the trip is is I I sat with Rebecca and Maisie and Mary, who was with uh, with us, and just was debriefing and getting their thoughts and observations and impressions. We normally do this on a missions trip. um, And I want to use those to to give you... a short message today. Um, And if you want a a fuller debrief, by the way, on not this Friday, but next Friday at worship and prayer night, Rebecca and Maisie and I will be there, and we are going to just have a time where uh, we can share, and people can ask us questions, and we're going to pray for Egypt. Um, which I don't think I told my other life group leaders that we were doing that yet. But anyhow, we've <laughs> so, so thank you for that. Um, but we're going to do that Friday night, August 20th at 7 o'clock. And you can come and it'll be a time where you can hear more because there was a request. We'd love to be able to ask like the team and talk and that kind of thing. And so we'll have that environment to do that. So when I asked Maisie, Rebecca, and Mary about their thoughts, um, one of the things that Mary said was that she was really impressed at how God used the very different gifts on the team and, she, and how he used each person um, on, the, on the project. And it was like a wonderful blend of, of the body of Christ, each part supplying. And I think it's so important for us to hear that because a lot of times people think, I don't know what I have to give. I don't know 
what I have to impart. But the reality is, just like here in the body of Christ in our own local church, you know, every person matters. And what's in you matters. And when you're in an opportunity to serve, what is in you is what comes out. And there's something precious and valuable in you. And, I, and Mary was just so impressed at how God is able to do that. The other thing that she mentioned is that just the gospel itself, the good news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, the gospel is so powerful. And just keeping the main thing the main thing. I'm going to come back to that. But, you know, Romans 1, 8, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. It's just the simplicity of the gospel. The message itself is so powerful because when people hear this message, they have an opportunity to respond in faith and grab a hold of the true truth that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. It's just so simple. I'm going to come back to that. Maisie, uh, one of the things she shared is that when visiting the different churches, she said, I felt like I was in the book of Revelations where each church was being addressed for their strengths and weaknesses. And you know, she, she also said that she observed, it was so obvious, like the generational curses that were in people's lives. And, and it was so obvious to us standing on the outside, but it wasn't always obvious to them. But then watching how God was breaking those generational curses and wrong thinking. Um, and she, she mentioned that, um, that we can so often feel trapped by the negative of what's going on, but that we have to find the good things that God is doing in the midst of that. If you were there and you just were dropped in with a parachute, you would go, oh, wow, we are so rich and so blessed, even in our spiritual heritage and what we know and practice, like that there's just a long way to go. And it'd be easy to be a critical about it, but you, can, but you have to look and go, God, what are you doing and how are you bringing people out of, uh, of some of the things that they're experiencing? And she said, Maisie said, she really found hope in the future of the children. Like there's just such an, uh, there's always a, there's so many times a, a purity and an expectation and a hope in children that can be leveraged. And that isn't God so smart because there's always a generation of children, Lord, that can, that can take change and transformation and have the hope to move it forward, right? Uh, because as adults, we learn to settle and we learn to stay and kids can hope for more. And we just, it was just so apparent. Rebecca mentioned how much she loved being with the children, especially the pastor's children. And there was that sense of hope and the future and the teachability. And they were just eaten out of her hand. And it was just such a blessing. And um, she was also really impressed by the passion and unity of some of the churches. There's a couple churches that we were in that you were like, man, this feels like a really tightly knit local body. And that God can really do some amazing things things, but then we were in several churches where that was very different, night and day, where it felt like there was just this over-ritualistic feel. Um, they relied too much on symbolism, and they, they took it too far by even practicing things like magic and curses, and there's, a, there's a, several different realms of church in Egypt 
there's what we call the Coptic church, and there's, there's a big realm within, within it, but the Coptic church would be similar to a Catholic church, but a Catholic church that's gone too far with ritualism, if you will, and symbolism. And uh, the Coptic church, they trace their lineage back to the apostle Mark, um, and that's you know, their realm. And, for, and some of them just have too much of that um, going on. And there was a couple meetings where I found myself walking around and just doing the spiritual authority thing, just like making sure that, frankly, you know, the demons and things like can't do their thing and act up and distract and that kind of stuff. I remember once I was probably the sickest I had been, and uh, I, I was having a hard time functioning that one day. And I'm just walking, the, the Holy Spirit, it just I could feel him feel, filling me, and I'm just walking around, loosening the enemy from the place. Like, nope, you got to go. You gotta, you know, time to get out of this place because God is going to have his way, and then just watching God work in that spirit realm. And what it showed to me when I was like distilling and looking at all of this, it reminded me of a word that I had learned about when I was um, in seminary, it, and it's this word syncretism. Um, and how destructive syncretism, I'm, I'm going to explain what that is in the body of Christ. And that if the enemy can't lead you away from Jesus, he'll settle for adding to Jesus. So if he can't lead you away from him, he'll add to him. The reality is we don't need anything beyond Jesus. Syncretism, um, if you're a speller, I'm not a speller, it's S Y. N-C-R-E-T-I-S-M. And the definition, this is the official Oxford definition, the amalgamation, which is like when you cobble things together, the amalgamation or attempt, attempted amalgamation of different religions, cultures, or schools of thoughts. So it's the idea of just, let's just pull everything in together and make it all one together. Whether they fit or don't fit, just kind of putting it all together. The, the simplest um, example that I know of is in Hinduism, Hinduism has hundreds of gods, right? So there's, there's been Christians who will reach out to a Hindu and say, hey, I, you should accept Jesus. Jesus is amazing. They'll be like, sure, I'll accept Jesus. And they'll put Jesus on the mantle with all the other hundreds of gods. No, 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 no. Jesus wants to be the God, the only God. He wants all the other gods to bow and go away because he's the true God kind of thing. Syncretism is when we pull things together. And that is the thing that we were feeling in the churches is it, it, it wasn't that they didn't believe in Jesus. It's Jesus and witchcraft and um, you know, symbols and magic and you know, like, all, like all together. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let we just, Jesus is more than enough. Everything else is distracting you from the truth of, of who Jesus is. And it, it, as I was reflecting on this, it reminded me of, of the Reformation, where uh, people like Luther and Calvin and these other folks, they were talking about how, hold on, hold on, what we need is we need Christ and we need the authority of Scripture to be our platform with which we understand. And there's a whole lot more to that, but the simplicity of all we need is Jesus. We need his word, which has authority. And the simplicity of that, and we build on that, and everything has to fit through that grid. If it doesn't fit through that grid, we don't add, it doesn't come along because there's a, there's a clarity. And even when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, so many times that he, I feel like Jesus gets a bad rap, like, well, you're just so exclusive. 
there's exclusiveness um, that is cruel, and there's inclusiveness that is caring and loving and kind. You know, when I say that Elizabeth is my one and only wife, I, and you go, well, that's so exclusive. You better darn right it is exclusive. I love her and her only, you know, kind of thing. What, be more, you know, no, no, right? But there's the simplicity and the elegance of Jesus saying, all you need is me. And everything else falls away because there are other things in this world that are trying to distract us from the truth and the beauty of who he is. And when we add to the gospel of Christ, it creates confusion and it creates mixture and it distracts us from that simplicity, that elegance of faith in Christ and a relationship with with Christ. And that it's his grace in our lives and that we don't need anything else. And there's all these scriptures that were coming to my mind as I was thinking about this. I was thinking like uh, in the Old Testament in Exodus 20 where uh, they're given the, the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, right? Like just one God. It's just God. It's just that simple, right? Um, in Deuteronomy 6.4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, make room for no one else. There's, you don't need anyone else, just our God. That's all that we need is to love and adore Him. In Galatians 5, 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Like all you need is faith in Christ. All you need is to know Christ. All you need is a relationship with him. The context of that scripture is they were adding the covenant of the law to the new covenant. They were saying, no, 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 Jesus has filled the, the old covenant. He has fulfilled the covenant of the law. All you need is Jesus. He is the fulfillment of that. Now, I want to be practical with you. When I say mixtures, um, you're probably not um, you know, practicing witchcraft at home. If you are, stop it now, and, and we need to pray for you. Um, but there are other examples in our world around us that are indicators or um, can be paths of that kind of mixture. For instance, you know, concepts like good karma, right? I've got good karma in the world. Well, Karma is like a Buddhist kind of, like, religious kind of thing. Now, we believe in sowing and reaping, which is similar but not the same because it's not the universe that's paying us or, or for our, our sowing and reaping. It is our God who watches over us, right? So that would be one example. Another one is, like, you know, we sometimes will inadvertently use phrases like, the universe is telling me. The universe doesn't talk. Jesus talks, <laughs> right? Um, Things like horoscopes, right? You know, people will say, you know, I'm a, I'm a this and I'm a that. Well, that's, that's not actually rooted in, the, in your faith of Jesus and Jesus alone, right? Um, magic, you know, and then there's just, and I think from in our realm of living in Western Christianity, a lot of it can come down to idolatry of things like money is more important than God, right? And, and that um, things like, um, addictions or ungodly relationships, anything that we would put before God. Um, and, and I would just say to you today uh, that we want to make sure 
that we have the simplicity and the elegance of just knowing Christ. We can know Him by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We can know Him by the Word. And if there's anything in your life that's mucking up the waters, that you feel like, well, in this area, I rely on this rather than my faith in Christ, or maybe I've added, added something on, I just want to encourage you, don't do it. Just leave it, leave it to the side because the, that mixture, it, it can um, take your eyes off of the one true God and His provision. And I tell you, He's got a jealous kind of love. Like, He loves you so much. And the enemy would want to distract us from our passion in Jesus. So like I said, if he can't replace Jesus, he'll add on to Jesus. And we don't need any of that. And and one of the things that my heart cried out while we were ministering to people is there were times where it felt like people were pulling on me for the ritualistic part. Like people would take my hand literally and put my hand on their head, but it wasn't because they were crying out to God. It's because they wanted to touch. And they felt like I had power. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. That is standing in the way of you receiving from God what he really has for you. Um, I love this scripture that I read at the very beginning, John chapter 14. I'm going to close with this concept. Jesus said, you know the place to where I'm going. Thomas, so literal. He says, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going. And and, and Thomas is kind of like, I don't have the GPS coordinates before you leave. Like, we need to get this down. Can you drop a pen on your iPhone for me? Something to tell me where, because we we don't want to lose you, Jesus. And, And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's me. It's just me. Just my voice. Just my presence. All you need is me. That's it. We enjoy so much of that, but, um, I th- and I think that we know this. I just want to encourage you today, don't let anything crowd the mantle. And when I say the mantle, like Jesus in your life, and the preeminence of Jesus in your life. Because I was so grieved as I was trying to, to share with people something from Jesus. And I know they believe in Jesus, but their minds were clouded by the other things. And I wanted to just snap them out of it, but it's like they don't even know what they're being snapped out of. And this wasn't all the time everywhere, but there were some very specific places where you could just feel that mixture and the room felt so confusing. And trying to minister in the room felt so confusing because it was like things were all over the place. But then there were other places where There's such unity and such a beauty and such a clarity about Jesus. And I want to tell you today that if you're you're watching or you're listening today and you're in a place where maybe you haven't made Jesus your one and your only, I just want you to know how he loves you so much. When he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, there's no way to the Father except for me. It's because it says in Hebrews that he is the exact representation of the Father. 
He is, he is the Father expressed in coming to us as His Son in humanity and saying, this is who I am. And so when we see Jesus, we see the Father as He says, we can believe upon Him, we can follow Him. It's the simplicity and the elegance. It's not that He's trying to cut everybody out. He's saying, this is who I am in a really clear way. And I remember my day, May 5th, 1992, when I said yes to Jesus for the rest of my life. You are my one and you are my only and you are my God. And I will say, my life has never, ever been the same. If you've never made that decision, I just want to encourage you to invite him into your life. He loves you so much that he would go to a cross for you to take all of your sin, to take all of the guilt, to take all of the shame, to take all our powerlessness, and to bring, give us the gift of a new life. And he has that for you. And if you're making that decision today, I really want to know about it. If you're watching or listening today, you can go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps because we want to know about this decision because it's such a big deal. And if you're here today, um, I want to pray with you before you go. I want to thank you for given me some extra time today to share with you about the trip and the word. And uh, I'd like to close by in prayer. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for the riches that we have. You've made us so rich in Christ. We love you and we worship you. And today, Lord God, we just say, it's you and you alone. Like that song that we sang early, earlier, let everything else, let it fall away. Let everything else fall away. It's just you. Father, if there's anything in our lives, Lord Jesus, that's competing for your attention or place in our lives, right now we just say, Father, forgive us. We set it aside and just say, Lord, let you be our one source, our one love, our true focus. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.